0: Good morning. Our scripture reading today is from Matthew 5, 38 through 48 from the Common English Bible. You have heard that it was said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. If people slap you on the right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you to court and take your shirt, let them have your coat too. When they force you to go one mile, go with them too. Give to those who ask, and don't refuse those who wish to borrow from you. You have heard that it was said, you must love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your father who is in heaven. He makes the sun rise on both the evil and the good and sends rain on both the righteous and the unrighteous. If you love only those who love you, what reward do you have? Don't even the tax collectors do the same? And if you greet only your brothers and sisters, what more are you doing? Don't even the Gentiles do the same? Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete, And showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Well, good morning. We continue our series on not perfect, just getting better. And we've been talking about uh, what we mean by getting better is actually becoming more mature. And today we're gonna be talking about what mature love looks like, and that's what's described in the gospel lesson today. Uh, My wife and I were dating uh, many, 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 many years ago, Uh, and when we were dating, we went to a high school football game at the high school we both went to, and we were there in the bleachers in the stands, and uh, we were, you know, everybody's standing up, and we were with some other friends there, and standing and cheering on the football team, which at that time was not that great of a football team when I went to school. It's now the state, they've been the state champs the last four years in a row. So as soon as I left, the school got better. Um, but anyway, we, we were in the bleachers cheering on our, our school team. And, and out of the corner of my eye, the guy next to me is having an argument with his girlfriend. And then as I'm kind of paying, I'm paying attention to the game, but I'm also kind of watching what's going on next to me, when I see him haul, pull his hand back like he's getting ready to hit his girlfriend. And I immediately just reacted and grabbed his arm and he looked at me and I looked at him and I just kind of shook my head. And then he like dropped his arm and I thought we were going to get into a little scuffle at that point. But then he realized people were watching him, right? So then he just stormed out of the bleachers and he left and he went somewhere and I don't know where he went and then his girlfriend sat down sobbing and my wife was there and knew her and said you know are you okay what's up going on and and about a two minutes later after that she then ran out to go find him because she was worried about him and I remember watching that scene this is my first introduction to uh, domestic violence right as a young man I was looking at, it, and I looked at my wife uh, girlfriend at the time wife now I said to her I said uh what is she doing? Like, why is she following him? What is she, what, she needs to leave this guy. This guy's no good. I, I remember all the things I thought about at that moment and all the questions I had. And that's because in our culture, we're taught that feelings are what equate to love. We're taught that if you feel, if you have the feeling, that's what it's about. You know, it's, it's not about the action, it's not about how we treat each other, it's about how you feel, right? And we've a- actually, I've seen this pattern over and over again throughout my ministry career, is that uh, this idea that uh, some women who are abused will say, but he still loves me, right? Meaning, he, I still feel love for him, and he still feels love for me, so it doesn't matter how he acts, it matters how we feel, Right? And because our culture has elevated the feelings of love above all else. We, we've made the feelings thing. Rabbi David Walpe said this, that we need to move to a new definition of love. So Rabbi says this, to love is to feel and to act lovingly. He actually argues, uh, he, he's written a couple books, but he's actually arguing that we need to not only feel love, but we need to act lovingly, right? Our actions and our feelings need to be consistent. They need to line up. And I would agree with that. And I think Jesus would agree with that. And yet, I think that Jesus is actually taking it a step further than that. You know, we always think, well, actions and feelings need to go. You know, show me your actions and your words, and they need to line up, be consistent. But actually, Jesus is reversing that and taking it a step further. Not necessarily reversing, but saying something more. Notice how he summarizes this whole idea of loving your enemies. He says this in verse 48. Therefore, just as your heavenly Father is complete in showing love to everyone, so also you must be complete. That word complete is the Greek word "telios," which we've been talking about. It also can be translated perfect. Another way to translate it, if you want to be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect, how to be complete, perfect, mature. Remember, perfection in the biblical sense is about maturity and completion. If you remember the telescope, Right? And tell T-E-L, telescope from teleos, is to reach the end, to continue to grow to the point where you reach maturity, where you are complete, where you reach the end, where you can see clearly what mature love looks like. That's what Jesus is saying. If you want to really be complete, if you really want to be perfect, like God, love your enemies. That's what it says. That mature love is the ability to even love an enemy. And do you, how do you feel about an enemy? Do you you have good feelings towards your enemy? Will you ever act lovingly if you have a feel, until, if you wait around to feel love for your enemy, you will never act lovingly. (laughs) What Jesus is doing is actually removing this concept of attaching it to the feeling, and he's actually using this word In the Greek called agape, which some of you are familiar with, there are uh, many words for love in the Greek language. You and I have one word. We use it for a lot of different things, like we love ice cream, love chocolate, right? So we'll use love different ways. In the Bible, there are multiple words for love. There's familiar love, love in a family, brotherly love, romantic love, and here we have this idea of agape love, and agape, according to Strong's Concordance, is defined, part of its definition is this a discriminating affection which involves choice and selection. Meaning that you and I, and actually along with that idea of agape, is that I can use my rational thought and I can esteem another person enough to love them. So it's not about my feelings, but it's about my choice. It's not about my, my how I feel about this other person, but it's about my decision to see them as valuable human beings and to act towards them in a loving manner. So I would define mature love, complete love this way. Mature love is to recognize the worth of another and choose to act lovingly. So I would say it's not about the feeling. (laughs) It's about how we choose to act towards them, right? I think that's what Jesus is getting at when he's talking about mature love. That would be complete love. That would be mature love in our lives. Full-grown love will do this. And so there are times when I'm called to act in love even though I don't feel like it. Right, I have to make a choice. The other thing that Jesus is saying here is not only giving us a definition of mature love, but he's also saying this is how this, this is acted out. This is how this is lived out. He says mature love is actually revealed in who we love. Did you hear that in the passage today? It's about who we love. He said, you know, if you, if you, love, your, if, if you love the people who love you, that's easy, <laughs> right? Tax collectors do that. Gentiles do that. He gives a couple examples of, of people who don't, aren't God, necessarily God's people, who aren't necessarily a part of God's kingdom, that are, that are showing love to other people. We can see that in the world around us, can't we? We see other people in the world that are not like us, that love their families, that love their children, that love their friends, and love their community, and they act lovingly. Jesus is saying it's revealed in the fact that we can love somebody who may even be unlovable. That to be a part of the kingdom, to be a follower of Jesus, mature love will love even those that are hard to love. I don't know if I've shared about our neighbor before. I can't remember, I'm getting to that age where I don't remember every story I tell these days. But I remember Marie who lived next to us and she was a neighbor of ours and she was one of the most bitter people I've ever met. Mean-spirited. I've seen her chew out her husband multiple times like vitriol. I I remember one day a friend of ours, our other neighbor who we became good friends with, who was a very strong woman, a principal in a high school. So you got to be tough if you're a principal in high school. My neighbor Marie brought her to tears one day by the vitriol she poured out on her. She came over to the house in tears. I said, what happened? And she just chewed me out because she didn't like the way I was treating my dog or raising my dog. And because Marie was a pet lover animal lover, probably because Marie, took Marie, those were the only creatures that ever loved her. I knew there was a story there, even though she never told me. I knew there was more to Marie's story than I would ever know that made her who she was. But I tell you, there were times where she was just mean, and I was her next door neighbor, and a pastor, and a Christian, and I read words like this in the Bible. Don't you wish some things weren't written? You know, Because they just uh, omitted those, right? So as a follower of Jesus, I've got to figure out how do I love Marie? <laughs> and I remember one day I was driving down the road and I was going down the road and over in this abandoned parking lot, Marie is in her car and I see the door open and she's like kind of half leaning out the car door. And I'm thinking to myself, is she having a stroke? Is she just an older person and have a stroke, a heart attack? So I thought something was wrong. So I immediately U-turned, went back into the abandoned parking lot, pulled up next to her, got out of the car. She's there with her door open, And I said, Marie, and she looked up at me and she was kind of out of it. And I said, uh, are you okay? And she says, oh, I'm so glad you're here. I need your help. I'm like, all right. So you're okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Well, what do you need help with? All right, so she gets out of her car, she goes around to the back hatchback of her car, she opens it up, and inside there's a five-gallon bucket. Now, in her garage, she kept five-gallon buckets of dog food, birds, see, because she fed the animals, she fed the squirrels, she had three dogs. So her, I many times had carried, she'd asked me to carry pounds of dog food bags into her garage bird seed into her garage. So she had this five-gallon bucket in her back of her car with bird seed in it, and inside that five-gallon bucket was a jar. And inside that jar were four mice that had gotten into the bird seed. And she had put a jar in the bucket and waited for them to go into the jar, and she had sealed the jar, and she kept them in the bucket, and she had driven out to this abandoned parking lot, which was next to a, some trees and woods, and she says, will you release the mice for me? Now, I come from a family that if there's a mouse in the house, there's a trap set, right? You know, that's, that's where I'm coming. That's my world, right? So I'm like, in, in my mind, and like, and there's a part of me that's going, I've seen the way you treat people, and you want to care about these four rodents. What's going on? I didn't say anything at the moment. But you know, there's that part of you that wants to go, What? It's going on. But the, Jesus said, If someone asks you to go a mile, you go too. So I said, Sure. And I grabbed the jar of mice and I hiked out into the woods. And she kept saying, You need to go further. You need to go further. I don't want them to get hit by a car. I kept going into the woods. Far enough, Marie. Yeah. I even went a little further because that's what Jesus said. Go further, right? So I let let the mice go, and they scurried off into the wilderness next to a highway. That's that's another story. So I come back, and she says, "Are are they okay? I said, yeah, Marie, they're fine. She said, thank you. She got back in her car, she drove away. I watched, uh, th- that's just one story. story. We, there were times I repaired her roof when it was, the shingles went off. There were times that the husband, you know the wife I told you about, the woman I told you about who got brought to tears by her, her husband and I would clean her driveway when it snowed, even though he didn't want to. I would say, well, this is what we're going to do, because he was a Christian. I, was, I said, this is what we're supposed to do. And I kept doing this. And, and why do we keep doing that? And there were times where my friend would ask me, why are we doing this, Matt? And I would say, I don't know why we're doing it. God said we're supposed to do it. <laughs> because possibly we're the only people that will ever show her love. Maybe we're the only people she will ever see this from in her entire life. Maybe nobody else has loved her. And our job is to be signposts to God's love for her. And that's it. We let the Holy Spirit do the rest of the work. And I don't know what happened to Marie. Marie's no longer with us. But I have to believe that somehow some, she knew that regardless of how bitter and mean she was, there was somebody who loved her. Because that's what we're called to do. Now, I want to add a couple disclaimers on this. I don't know that I could have done that if I had been married to Marie. Marie. It's easier to be Marie's next-door neighbor than live in a house with her. I, know her. I knew her husband. I saw her husband, and, and, and uh, he was a, the kindest person I've ever met. And he loved her as well. But I think about that. So one is to say it's not always easy to live with someone like Marie. It would be very hard. But love is a choice, right? It's a selection And it's also, nowhere did I condone her toxicity. Nowhere did I condone her mean-spiritedness or put up with her mean-spiritedness. I would just walk away. But the opportunities I had to love her, I chose to love her. And my friend chose to love her and others chose to love her. You know, I think about this. This is what Jesus has in mind for relationships. And notice that he puts in this into context in general society towards soldiers, towards uh, uh, people who are suing you, people who are uh, slapping you, people in the general public, that this is our general disposition as a follower of Jesus is to be, have this general attitude where we love and show grace to all people regardless of how mean-spirited they are. And that's why Jesus says, but I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who harass you so that you will be acting as children of your Father who is in heaven. And see, that's the point. Mature love reflects and reveals who God, that God loves us. That we've been in touch with God's love. You see, because if we've been loved by God, if we've been fully and completely and maturely loved by our creator God in Jesus Christ then we don't need, I don't need Marie to love me. <laughs> I don't need Marie's approval. I don't need Marie to always be nice to me because I have been loved fully by God. And so my, my role becomes to reveal that love to other people, to be that signpost to God, that, that as I maturely love others, it's revealing that God has loved me and I'm pointing people to another type of love, not a feeling-based love, but a love that chooses. Carrie Newoff says this, true discipleship is not measured by how much you know. Get that? No. It's measured by how much you love and how much that love flows out of you into the lives of other people. You know, I've known people who know the Bible inside and out. And some of you and some of us know theology really Well, That's knowledge. And we can possess all those things, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, but have not love. I'm just a clanging gong or clanging cymbal, right? I can have prophecies that can fathom all mysteries, but if I have not love, I'm nothing, right? That's what Jesus is saying as well. And then Jesus, Jesus, so Jesus asks us to do a very hard thing, right? And the only thing he's saying is this, this is not just an attitude of non-retaliation. I've heard a lot of people interpret this passage as, well, this is a passage for non-retaliation, right? Non-violent retaliation. I think it's more than that. It's not just about non-retaliation. because Well, let's look at the verse again, 39 and 41. Take a look. But I say to you that you must not oppose those who want to hurt you. Now hear this, if people slap you on your right cheek, you must turn the left cheek to them as well. When they wish to haul you to court and take your shirt, let them have your coat too. And when they force you to go one mile, go with them too. So if I were to say this was just about non-retaliation, I would say if people slap you on the right cheek, don't slap them back. That would be non-retaliation. But Jesus says turn to them the other cheek to give them that one as well. And when it says, if they wish you to haul you into court and take your shirt, well, non-retaliation would just be to give the shirt and, be, and settle the account. But he says, no, give them your coat too. And when they, a Roman soldier forces you to go one mile, which was the requirement, or 1,000 steps, you go 2,000 steps if you've uh, got your Fitbit on in the first century, right? And so this is what he's saying. So he's saying, if, if, it's, not, if it's just non-retaliation, then we just go the one mile, and we, 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 we do what we're asked. But Jesus takes it a step further. He says, don't just give what you can. Give, du- double down on this. Double down for you gamblers in the room. Double down, go the extra mile. Don't give 100%, give 200% to show them twice the amount of kindness. What is, what's up here? You know, because we often think, you know, it's just about not getting even with our enemies. But Jesus is actually saying to do something even harder than that, which is why I wish this passage wasn't in the Bible. Pete, that's Matt speaking, not the Holy Spirit, not God. Why? Because God's up to something. What's God up to? Redemption. Redemption. God doesn't want people just to walk away and, 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 and have accounts settled. God wants us to show people the way that God loves and that God wants to be redemptive in how God loves. That, that mature love is always seeking to be redemptive to redeem that other person. Remember what, how we define love? Love is seeing the worth, the value of the other person, even if they're your enemy, and to act lovingly according to them. So from God's point of view, God looks at that other person who may very well be their enemy and says, you still have worth, and so I'm going to act lovingly towards you, and I'm going to act extra lovingly towards you in hopes that you will be redeemed, that you will change that something will make a difference in your life. I love that we had the, the Brave event yesterday and that uh, young women were, in our foster system, were, were encouraged and told, what, what were they told? That they were loved, right? That no matter what's happened in their lives, they matter. That's redemptive love. You know, there was a, some foster parents that took in a four-year-old little boy who was nonverbal and withdrawn. And the social workers told the foster parents, say, you know, this little boy is, doesn't say much. He tends to withdraw. He doesn't socialize with other kids. He tends to be by himself most of the time. So just know that he may not say a whole lot to you when he comes to your house. And they said, sure, we, we understand. So they brought the little boy into their home and for, for some time he was there. And of course, nonverbal withdrawn just like the social worker had said and so they were trying to figure out ways to engage him and to to draw him out and to socialize with him and build relationship with him and and he was resistant and so they went to a counselor and the counselor gave them this advice just the suggestion said why don't you try getting him a puppy we'll try <laughs> I mean sometimes parents right you're, you're at your wit's end you'll do anything you'll try anything you'll even get a puppy and so they went and they went and found a puppy and brought the uh, puppy home. And the little boy was in the backyard sitting in the grass and by himself. And so they decided to just release the puppy into the backyard and see what would happen. So they let the puppy go out in the backyard. And you know exactly what the puppy did, right? The puppy runs up to the little boy and he's sitting there on the grass. And the puppy goes to like get on the little boy. And of course, the little boy just pushes the puppy away. He says, no, get away from me. Now, did the puppy take the hint? No. Puppy kept trying to get up on the little boy, trying to lick his face, trying to lick him, trying to get his attention. The little boy just kept pushing the puppy away, pushing the puppy away. Finally, the little puppy was so persistent that the little boy stood up to get away from the puppy and try and get away from the puppy. And what did the puppy do? Just kept following him. So as the puppy came up to him and jumped up on his leg, the little boy pushed, tried to push the puppy away with his foot. And the puppy, puppy just kept coming. So puppies are relentless. <laughs> and finally, the boy, little boy had kind of had it with the puppy. So he kicked the puppy. The puppy yelped, went tumbling in the grass. The little boy walked away. That little puppy shook his head, shook himself off, got up on his feet again, squared himself up again. And you know exactly what that puppy did. He ran to the boy another time. And the parents watching this happen said something happened in that moment that this time when the puppy ran to the little boy, the little boy scooped up the puppy in his arms and held the puppy, and said to the foster parents, I think the puppy loves me, I think the puppy loves me. How did he figure that out? (laughs) Because the puppy kept coming. (laughs) The puppy loved relentlessly. (laughs) The puppy gave his shirt and his coat the puppy went the second mile. The puppy, the puppy turned the other cheek a few times because love has a redemptive quality to it that changes people. And at that moment, what that little boy was doing was when he embraced the love of the puppy, he was beginning to learn actually what love was and how to love himself. And see, God sent Jesus Christ into the world, even though we would reject him. I mean, think about it. How many times have you and I pushed God out of our lives? How many times have we said, no, God, I don't want you in my life right now. I'm going to do things my way. Would you just go over here? How many times have we kicked God out? How many times have we not listened to his commands? How many times have we rejected God? And God just keeps coming after us. God's the hound of heaven. And so God keeps coming to us. And just think about how God loves us and how God goes the second mile for us. Because God hopes that at some moment we'll embrace God ourselves, we'll receive God ourselves, and it's that moment that we begin to grow and learn how to love other people the way that God loves us. That's the redemptive work God wants to do in us, And through us. And that's why Jesus was sent. Let's pray together.